ان اللہ انڈیڈ اللہ یا مورو ہی کمانڈس ہی آرڈرز بل آدلی وتھ جسٹس ہی آرڈرز یو وتھ جسٹس میننگ ہی آرڈرز یو دیٹ یو مسٹ بی جسٹ اینڈ فیئر ول احسان اینڈ آلسو گڈ کانڈکٹ میننگ ہی آلسو آرڈرز یو دیٹ یو شوڈ ڈو احسان و ایتا عید القربا اینڈ گیونگ ٹو دا ریلیٹوس میننگ ہی آرڈرز یو دیٹ یو مسٹ گیو ٹو یور ریلیٹوس وینہا اینڈ ہی فربڈس ایٹ دا سیم ٹائم ہی آلسو فربڈس یو فرام ڈوئنگ سرٹن تھنگس اینڈ وٹ از ات دیٹ ہی فربڈس یو فرام ان الفحشاء فرام امورالٹی فرام انڈیسنسی والمنکر اینڈ رانگ ایکشنز والبغی اینڈ ریبیلین يعظكم he admonishes you why لعلكم تذكرون so that you will be reminded and change yourselves this ayah how many of you have heard this ayah before almost everybody why because this ayah is recited quite often when during the friday khutbah huh inna allaha ya'murukum bil 'adli wal ihsani wa ita'i dhil qurba wa yanha 'anil fahsha'i wal munkari wal baghi ya'izukum la'allakum Umar ibn Abdul Aziz who was one of the Khalifas he is the one who started this way that in every Friday khutbah he would recite this ayah and following his traditions many people thereafter began reciting this ayah regularly in the Friday khutbah why? because this ayah is a perfect reminder of everything that Allah commands us of and everything that He forbids us from The companions, they said about this ayah that this is one of the most comprehensive verses of the Qur'an. It is one of the most comprehensive verses of the Qur'an. Because in this verse, Allah is commanding us to do three things, and He is forbidding us from doing three other things. And what He is commanding us, it covers aqidah, it covers beliefs, it covers actions, it covers good speech, it also covers your dealings with people. And what he's forbidding us on the other hand is also from wrong beliefs, wrong behavior, wrong actions, wrong speech. So it's a very, very comprehensive verse of the Qur'an. It tells us comprehensively about everything that Allah commands us to do and what He forbids us from. And Uthman ibn Maz'oon, when he heard this ayah, just this one ayah, he accepted Islam. That if this is what this religion is telling us to do, then why not? And if this is what this religion is forbidding us from, then why not accept it? Meaning, it's so logical, it's so good, why not accept it? So this one ayah was sufficient to show to this individual that Islam was the correct religion, and he accepted Islam based on this ayah alone. So what is this ayah? What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us over here? إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُوا Allah commands you, Allah orders you. Tell me something. Any command that is given in the Qur'an, who is it from? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any prohibition that is given in the Qur'an, who is that from? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when this is being said at the beginning of the ayah, Allah orders you, why is this style adopted? To emphasize, right? And to remind us that, look, Allah is ordering you, listen attentively. Take this matter seriously. And it's a reminder that if Allah is ordering us to do something, then we don't have a choice regarding it. If He is telling us to do something, then He is going to question us whether we did it or not. 
And if he is forbidding us from doing something, again, he is going to check us. He is going to hold us accountable, whether we obeyed him or we did not obey him. So, in Allah ya'muru, indeed Allah orders, bil adli, with justice. What is justice? What is adl? Fairness. And what is that? To give to others what is due. To give to others what they deserve. And each person deserves something different. Adl does not necessarily mean equality. Equality is that a two-year-old child is given a hundred dollars at Eid, and a ten-year-old child is given a hundred dollars at Eid, and a twenty-five-year-old child is also given a hundred dollars at Eid. But tell me, that two-year-old child, where's that money gonna go? To the mom or to the dad who's already getting her Eid, right? Her Eid gift. What is Adl? That each person is given what they deserve. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Anzilu nas manazilahum." Place people at their deserving positions. Meaning deal with them the way they deserve to be dealt with. The way they deserve to be dealt with. For example, in a workplace there could be a rule that anybody who comes in, they're expected to go upstairs, okay, climb up the stairs and go speak to the receptionist. For example. And the person at the front desk, okay, they're like, no, I have nothing to do with you know speaking to you. I'm just going to forward you on to the person in the office, so you have to go. Now there comes a person in a wheelchair. Adal is what? That you deal with everybody equally. Everybody go up the stairs. I'm not going to serve you. I'm just going to send you upstairs. Is that Adal? It's not Adal. Adal is that if a person has come in a wheelchair, they cannot go up the stairs. You ask them what you can do for them. And you go up the stairs for them. Correct? This is adl. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us to do. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ And this justice is necessary, this fairness is necessary in everything. When we're dealing with people, when we're giving them their rights, when we are speaking to them, when we are working with them, as an employer, as an employee, as a parent, as a child, as a sibling, as a relative... Whenever we're dealing with people, fairness, justice is very, very important. Because this is what will bring happiness to people. Right? This is what will keep relationships good. So, in Allah يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ Secondly, He also orders us, ihsan With ihsan. Ihsan is to give more. Give more to the other. Meaning, one is... You know, the haq, the right that a person deserves. Okay? That is adl. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders us that we should also do ihsan. Meaning sometimes, rather more than usual, what should we do? Give people more than what they deserve. A degree above what they deserve. And this ihsan is in different ways. Okay? Like for example... Adl is that if somebody asks you for something, they make a request, you respond to them. Okay? You respond to them. They ask you, could you please give this to me? You've heard it. You're able to help them. So you get up and you give them. Because especially as a child or as a spouse, it's your responsibility to respond to your spouse, right? To help them. Ihsan is what? That you're not even told. It's not even your responsibility. You're not even asked, but still you go that extra mile in order to help someone. Let me give you an example. The Prophet ﷺ in his last few days, 
in fact on the last day of his life when he was severely ill and he was in the apartment of Aisha radiallahu anha and what happened that Aisha radiallahu anha's brother Abdurrahman bin Abi Bakr he walked in in order to see the Prophet sallallahu alaihi that how is he doing when he came in Abdurrahman bin Abi Bakr he had his miswak okay he had his miswak with him and Aisha radiallahu anha saw that the Prophet ﷺ is looking at Abdurrahman. And in particular, he's looking at the siwak. Okay? So Aisha radiallahu anha, she said to her brother, give me that siwak. So he gave it to her. She broke it, okay, so that there would be a fresh part. Okay? And then she softened it, and then she gave it to the Prophet ﷺ. She observed, she sensed that, oh, this is what he wants. This is what he wants. I can help him here. I can give it to him. And she did everything that she could to get the siwak to the Prophet hmm? But generally what happens, we say, when she'll ask me, I'll give her. You never asked me. Why should I? Go get it yourself. Can you not ask yourself? Can you not use your own words? Why do you have to turn to me for everything? Give me a break also. Adil is good. But on top of that, ihsan, that is something that Allah orders us to do also. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ وَإِتَاءِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى And to give to the close relatives. Only close relatives are mentioned over here. And who are close relatives? Those who are close in relationship to you. They're either through blood, meaning blood relatives, through nasab, or through marriage, through sihr. Alright? So, both types of relatives, those who are close in relationship to you. Because sometimes we say, you know what, each person should take care of their parents, and I am very concerned about the welfare of my parents. I don't care about my spouse. I don't care about my in-laws. To me, my parents are important. And sometimes this happens from women and also from men. When they don't give importance to their wives at all, just in serving their mothers. And sometimes it's the other way around also. That the husband is neglected, the husband's family is neglected completely. Why? For the sake of her own family. Dil qurba are who? Those who are close to you in relationship. And there are two types of relationships that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. One through blood, and second through marriage. So over here, وَإِتَاءِ الْقُرْبَى He is telling you that you must give to your relatives. Give them what? Give them what? It's not mentioned here. So what does it mean? Give them whatever they need. Give them whatever you can. Give them money. Give them love. Give them support. Give them good advice. Give them good looks. Give them time. Give them your service. Help them. Ita idil qurba. Because if a person cannot give to his relatives, then he cannot give to others. He cannot. If he cannot maintain good ties with those who are closest to him, then how can he maintain good ties with the people of the world? He cannot. It may be very superficial. It may be for worldly reasons, temporary benefit. But in the long run, he cannot maintain a healthy relationship with anybody if he cannot maintain a healthy relationship with his relatives. وَإِتَاءِذِ الْقُرْبَى Give to the relatives. وَيَنْهَى And he forbids عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ from He forbids you, he tells you that you must keep away from فَحْشَاءِ 
What is fahsha? Fuhsh, indecency, immorality. It's basically those actions which are a result of uncontrolled sexual desire. Uncontrolled sexual desire. And obviously this is referring to that which is wrong. So sins that are of sexual nature. So whether it is zina or less than that, listening to dirty things and talking about dirty things and you know watching dirty things. Likewise, you know, being flirty in one's behavior, staring at other this is all fahsha. He forbids you from fahsha, meaning you must keep away from this. And fahsha is the opposite of haya. What is haya? Shyness. Decency. Okay? And remember that there's two kinds of haya. One is that haya which we have from people. And the other is that haya which a person has from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Majority of us, we have haya from people. Which means that we will not do certain things just because people are watching us. We will not say certain things just because people are listening to us. But when we're alone, we will do whatever, we will say whatever, we will you know, behave however. Fahsha is when a person commits such actions which show that he doesn't have haya. He doesn't have shyness. Neither of Allah nor of men. Some people at least they're shy of people. So in front of other people at least they'll you know, hold themselves back from doing something or saying something. But others, they have no haya from Allah and no haya from people either. So He forbids you from fahsha, from immorality. And also He forbids you from wal-munkar. What is munkar? A wrong action, that which is rejected. Ankara yunkiru inkar is to reject. Do not accept. It's considered unacceptable. Unacceptable by what? By aql. You know, any decent person when he finds out that this action is being done, he cannot understand, he cannot accept it. And also the religion, the sharia also rejects it. There is no room for those actions in the religion. Munkar. Munkar, it is said that this is a result of anger. Fahsha is a result of uncontrolled sexual desire. And munkar on the other hand is a result of anger, violence, rage. And this is you know, expressed in several ways. When people don't control their anger, their disapproval, then what happens? Fights break out. Correct? Likewise, there's loss of property, there's loss of lives, people get injured, so many businesses, they get damaged. This is all munkar. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not allow munkar. Now this is on a very public level. In personal life also, anger, does that cause problems? Hmm? Of course. And when a person is behaving angrily, he's speaking angrily, he is dealing with others in anger, in rage, then the kind of things he says and the kind of things he does, what are they? Unacceptable. Like for example, in anger, bang the door shut. Literally, so loud that the people in the lower floor, they're wondering what's going on. And why are they angry? over something so petty, over something so small. Likewise, breaking things, destroying things, yelling at others and hurting their feelings, over and over again, attacking people because you're angry, you're frustrated. You know, sometimes a person is frustrated and angry because of what's going on at work, or because how they were dealt with at a store, or because they've had a very long day, or because, you know, they're having issues with their friend, or their spouse, or their parents, or whoever. And that anger is let out on who? On who? Those who are completely innocent. Whether it is children or somebody else from the family, 
or a computer or the dishes. Huh? Munkar. This is all munkar. It's not acceptable. You're angry? We understand that. You're upset? Okay, we understand that. But don't behave like that. You know, it's amazing. When children, when they react in anger, we become so strict with them. Use your words. Lower your voice. Don't talk like that. Don't walk like that. Eat your dinner. If you behave like this, you can go up to your room. But at the same time, adults, when we behave in anger, when we speak in anger, what happens to us? For children, it's not acceptable. But for us, we have every reason. Yeah, it's acceptable because of this and this and this. Allah forbids you from munkar. He forbids you from acting in anger, in violence, in rage. Walbaghi, and also rebellion. What is baghi? Baghi is oppression. Oppression. And this is a result of kibr. It's a result of arrogance. So he forbids you from baghi also. Ya'ilukum. Like for example, a person has power, he has authority. Nobody's going to question him. So he goes on doing whatever he wants and he says whatever he wants, he hurts people. Baghi. Because he's proud. He thinks he can say anything, he can do anything. Baghi. Ya'ilukum. He admonishes you, he advises you, meaning he gives you this instruction. Why? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ So that you remember. You remember. Meaning when you will remember these things, only then you can bring about a change in yourself. Now, this is the message of the Qur'an. Three things which are commanded and three things which are forbidden. What three things are commanded? What three things are commanded? Adl, Ihsan, and Ita' Dhil Qurba. Adl, justice. Who needs to be just and fair? Someone who is sitting on the seat of the judge in a court and they're passing verdicts, they have to be fair? Yes, they have to be fair. Who else needs to be fair? Who? Everybody. Think about your own role. Okay, what different roles do you play? For example, in your family, as an older sibling, as a sister, as the only sister, okay, or as the daughter, who can see the fights of other people, who can see the arguments of other people. Now many times it happens that because we are inclined to one side, or because we think that one person is the victim, we unconditionally support them. We love them, so we unconditionally support them. But what do we see here? Adl. Don't support someone just because you love them. Don't support someone just because you think they deserve better. Support the one whose haq it is. This is adl. This is fairness. After adl is ihsan. Ihsan is in dealing with people, whether they are your relatives or your co-workers or your friends. And ihsan is also in dealing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ihsan with Allah, what is that? Ikhlas, ikhlasun niyyah. Sincerity of the intention. And this is what makes actions beautiful. This is what strengthens the belief of tawheed in a person. Ihsan. And also ihsan towards people. Whether they're children or parents or siblings or spouse. Ihsan. So, adl, ihsan. And thirdly, ita dil qurba. Only relatives are mentioned over here. But if a person is being told to give to the relatives, then it means he's being told to give to who? Everybody else. Because charity begins where? At home. You have to begin with those who are 
closest to you. You help them, you give them, and then you reach out. Then you spread far out. But it is not correct that a person forgets his own family and he's giving to the rest of the world. Start with those who are closest to you. You know, many times it happens that we are looking for opportunities to volunteer. We're looking for a sick person whom we can go and visit. These days it's Ashra Dhul-Hijjah, the first 10 days of the month of Dhul-Hijjah. And you know that when a person performs any good deed in this time of the year, then it's most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's most pure, it's more beloved to Allah. Ahabba ilallah, azka ilallah. From hadith we learn. So we are looking for opportunities. We're wondering, is there any person in a hospital whom we can go and visit? Is there any person who's you know, desperately in need of help and we can assist them? Look in your own household. You know, when your brother has a headache and your sister has a fever and your younger brother, he gets hurt because he fell and he bruised his knee. They're also sick. We look for big, big opportunities. But those that are right in front of us, we neglect them. قُرْبَى Good deeds begin at home. Remember that. Charity begins at home. You want to volunteer somewhere? Volunteering begins at home. It does. Always. You want to spend on others? That also begins at home. Because... You know, going to somebody whom you have no idea about who they are, giving them a $5 bill, $10 bill, okay. But giving that money to your brother, and then watching him go and have fun with it, and you're sitting, that really means that you have to give. You know, give money and give a part of your heart. Bismillah, uh, I'll give you homework for the hijjah and the homework you have to be good to your parents. They said, that's easy, we'll do it. And I said, also you have to be good to your siblings. They said, no way, we're not going to do that. That's really hard. Subhanallah, it is hard. But if you leave something for the sake of Allah, Allah will give you something better. Yes. Because parents are already nice to you, right? So it's easy to be nice with them. But siblings... They are a big test, a really big test. So giving to them, al qurba. And you know, sometimes all they want is that colored paper. Really. And it just annoys you that why do you always want things that are with me, that I have? Just because I have pink paper doesn't mean you need pink paper also. Go get your own. al qurba. Letting them step into your room. Hmm? Letting them come in and sit on your chair. Letting them use your desk. Letting them use your you know, bathroom or your new soap or whatever it is. It's the most difficult. And you know what? Shuh. What is shuh? Stinginess and greed of the heart that doesn't allow you to give even the smallest of things. To share even the smallest of things. If a person cannot overcome this shuh in his family, in his home, then how can he overcome this shuh when dealing with the world? So, ita idil qurba. وَيَنْهَا عَنِ He forbids you from fahsha, from immorality, from indecency. Keep away from dirty language. Keep away from dirty songs and dirty things that come on the television or whatever it is. Fahsha, keep away from it. Because when a person sees it, listens to it, watches it, he begins to, he begins to like it. When he's okay with it, he'll end up doing it. 
oftentimes we talk about like um, watching bad things, but like reading about them is also just as bad. Like romantic books, like they have things that even like what you watch, like the, it, it would be worse. worse. Yeah, it's worse, and because you are reading every word, right? I mean, if it's a you know scene on the television, you can always look away, close your eyes. But if you're reading the words, then how can you not know what's going on? Fahsha, any kind of fahsha, keep away from it. Because when a person indulges in fahsha, that takes his haya away. His haya goes away, his shyness goes away. And when his shyness goes away, then what do we learn in hadith? That إِذَا لَمْ تَسْتَحْيِ فَاصْنَعْ مَا That when you don't have haya, then go to whatever you want. Meaning then a person doesn't care about what people think, about, what, about people's feelings, about any level of decency, he doesn't care that he will stop nowhere. So he forbids you from fahsha. And this fahsha a person has to keep away from in his privacy when he's alone. Wal-munkar and wrong actions. Wal-baghi and rebellion. Just because you have the power and the authority, don't think you can go on hurting others. The Prophet ﷺ said, there is no sin more deserving of having its punishment hastened in this world as well as what is reserved in the hereafter for the one who does it except baghi and cutting the ties of kingship. Meaning these are sins for which the punishment comes where? In this world. And yes, there is also punishment in the hereafter. Baghi, aggression, oppressing other people. Just because we have the power to force feed, we force feed. Just because we have the power to say anything and hit and slap our younger sibling, we go ahead and do that. What is he gonna say? What is she gonna say? What can they do to me? You know, like smack the younger sibling. And what can he do? He can come and push and you push them back and they fall against the wall. And you just laugh it off, smirk at them and go away. This is buggy. I'm sorry to say, yes, it happens in movies, but it also happens in households. Go ahead. You see in these verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a complete personality, a complete characteristic of what a person should be if they want to be a decent and a decent human being who is able to live among others. He's given us all the qualities other than being just. This is just something simple, right? When you see someone who's being hurt, what should you do? Just, you know, common human courtesy requires that you help them. Right? That's just a basic, basic courtesy. Then ihsan, doing better and beyond. Again, an extra quality that will just make you a better person. And then giving to your relatives. And then starting from your relatives and going on to others. And then stopping from things like fahsha. So just indecency. Things that, no, like, the fitrah doesn't require, like, you don't want to look at it yourself. Yes. Right? And it takes away from shyness that a person is born with. And then, you know, controlling your anger, which is, again, something that you're taught as a child. And, you know, actually sticking to it even in your adulthood. And then Buffy, oppression. That's just considered wrong to anybody and everybody. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a complete personality that would be the best for us to live with in this world. Yes. And in the Qur'an, what do we learn? That shaitan orders you with fahsha and munkar. Allah forbids us from fahsha and munkar and shaitan orders us to do fahsha and munkar. So what Allah orders us, shaitan forbids us from it. And what Allah forbids us from, shaitan orders us to do. So then we have to see who are we following. Am I following Allah my Lord? Or am I following shaitan my enemy? وَأَوْفُوا بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ 
and fulfill the covenant of Allah. Meaning the promises, the pledges that you make with Allah or you make with others in Allah's name, fulfill them. Ida'ahattum. When you have taken it, meaning when you've made the promise, then fulfill it. Wala tanqudu. And do not break al-ayman, the oaths. Tanqudu, naqd. Naqdul habl is to untie a knot. And from this naqd of the breaking of a promise or making a pledge, meaning swearing an oath and then violating that, naqd is used for that. So la tanqudu al-ayman. Ayman, plural of yameen. Yameen is to take an oath. So to say, by Allah, I swear by Allah, I shall do this and this and this. This is what? Yameen, an oath. I make a promise that I will do this by Allah. This is a yameen. You swore an oath. So, la tanqudu. Don't break that. Don't violate that. That later on, you don't adhere to your promise, your commitment, and you break it. Ba'da tawkidiha. After its tawkid. Tawkid. Is this word familiar? Tawkid, ta'kid. This is for emphasis. Tawkid is to emphasize. Okay? From waw kaf dal. And wikad is used for the rope with which a cow, for example, is tied when being milked. You saw in that video clip that when the cow was being milked, it was made to stand at a certain place and then it was locked in so that it cannot move. So whatever means is used to lock in an animal so that it doesn't move from its place while being milked, that is called wikad. From this tawkid is to make something firm. To make something firm. Firm so that it doesn't move. It doesn't move. Just like the cow, it won't move now. It cannot go anywhere. Likewise, you've emphasized a statement. You've made something firm. So you're not going to go against it. You're not going to leave it. You're not going to go right or left. You're going to adhere to it. This is tawkid. So ba'da tawkidiha, after its confirmation. Meaning, you swore an oath and you confirmed it. How did you confirm it? That you, for example, you wrote it, you swore an oath by Allah, you took Allah's name. Now once you've made an oath like that, don't break it, don't nullify it, don't violate it. Especially because وَقَدْ جَعَلْتُمْ While you have made Allah Allah عَلَيْكُمْ on you kafila A guarantor. When you swore an oath by Allah, you made Him a kafil over yourself. Who is kafil? Kafil is someone who becomes a guarantor. Okay? Like for example, you want to go and rent an apartment. You have an income that is basically 75%. 75% of it is the rent. Okay? So when you go show that to the company, they're like, no, no, we need somebody to guarantee that you will actually pay the rent because your rent and your income, you know, there isn't much room over here. So what happens? You go to your dad and you say, dad, can you please become my guarantor? So what does it mean? That if you don't give your rent, then what will happen? Who will have to give it? Your dad will have to, right? And your dad is there to make sure, you know, you call your dad and he supervises the contract and he's part of it to make sure that you will adhere to your duty. So likewise, when a person swears an oath, he says, by Allah, I swear by Allah, I will do this. What does it mean? He's making Allah a witness to the transaction. And he's saying that I make Allah a witness that I will do this. So you made Allah a guarantor over this contract. Now you're going to break it? You're going to nullify it? 
you're going to violate it? إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ Remember that indeed Allah knows whatever you are doing. Because see, people, when they become a guarantor, it's possible that you are doing something fishy and they've got no idea. But Allah knows exactly what you're doing. So in other words, don't misuse the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see, we live with people, we work with people, we interact with people, we deal with people all the time. When you're living in this world, you cannot live a completely secluded life. There will be times when you will make contracts, commitments, promises with others. Sometimes they are big and sometimes they are small. Sometimes they are legal and sometimes they are, you know, not that heavy, not that big of a deal. Marriage is also a contract, right? Now, many times it happens that when a contract is being made, big or small, people use the name of Allah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. At the beginning of the contract, it's written. And inshallah, alhamdulillah, you know, Allah's name is mentioned over and over again to show to the other person, I'm so religious, I'm so fearful of Allah, you know, I will adhere to my promise. I will do my share. You don't need to have any fears. Likewise, some people swear oaths. Every other sentence, wallahi, wallahi, wallahi. Now when you're swearing an oath, basically you're telling the other person, that he doesn't need to have any fears, you will be committed to your promise and you will not break it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying over here that when you make promises like that, لَا تَنْقُضُ الْأَيْمَانَ بَعْدَ تَوْكِيدِهَا Don't break your oaths after their confirmation. You've given your word to someone. You mentioned the name of Allah. Now don't go against it. Fulfill it. أَوْفُوا بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ Fulfill the promise of Allah and be fearful because in Allah Other people might never know the whole story, but Allah knows what you're doing. And remember that when a person breaks a promise, okay, a commitment, a pledge, big or small, then first and foremost he's harming himself. He's harming himself. Apparently he might be running off with you know fifteen thousand dollars or half a million dollars, whatever. But in reality he is harming himself because Allah says in the Quran, فَمَن نَكَثَ فَإِنَّمَا يَنْكُثُ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ Whoever breaks his word only breaks it to the detriment of himself. He's harming himself. Because Allah knows what he's doing. And you know, when a person breaks his promises and oaths, what does it show? He's trustworthy. He's honest. No. It shows that he's dishonest. And a heart that is dishonest, can iman stay over there? Can iman stay over there? No. If a person is cheating people, lying to them, breaking promises, then yes, eventually a time will come when he will do khiyana with his Lord also. He will. Because fearing Allah means fearing Allah when you're alone. When you're alone. Let me give you an example. Something very, very small. Bathroom etiquette. Bathroom etiquette. Simple. Who can keep a check on you that you're observing proper bathroom etiquette? Nobody can. Only a child can be supervised, but after a certain age, even they're not supervised. Right? But if a person uses a bathroom, and he's negligent concerning urine splashes, that he doesn't care urine is, you know, splashing on his legs, on his clothes, or her clothes, or her legs, and she's not really careful about cleaning herself afterwards, who knows about it? Only he knows and Allah knows. She knows and Allah knows. One is that a person doesn't know. 
that those flashes happen. But the others that they know, it happened in front of me, I saw it. We'll all forget it, what's the big deal? For this is adab al-qabr, punishment in the grave. Punishment in the grave. Just imagine, from something that is so apparently significant, but this action shows that a person doesn't care about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't have shyness, he doesn't have any haya of Allah. He doesn't have any fear. And apparently it seems small, but it's an attitude. And an attitude is not reflected in one action. It's reflected in many, many actions. When dealing with people in private, when dealing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So over here, when dealing with people, you're making promises, don't break them, especially when the name of Allah has been used. And remember that Allah is watching you. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ وَإِيْتَاءِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى وَيَنْهَى عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغْيِ يَعِظُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ وَأَوْفُوا بِعَهْدِ اللَّهِ إِذَا عَاهَدْتُمْ وَلَا تَنْقُضُوا الْأَيْمَانَ بَعْدَ تَوْكِيدِهَا وَقَدْ جَعَلْتُمُ اللَّهَ عَلَيْكُمْ كَفِيلًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْلَمُ مَا تَفْعَلُونَ